welcome into another episode of the Sports Kiki Podcast. We are up to episode number 32. Welcome in. My name is Alex Reamer. We are proud to come at you each and every Saturday, wherever you can find your favorite out sports podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. We are there. Uh, that's right. Any any social platform, we are on there. Uh, thank you, as always, for, for tuning in here. Um, one of the big stories this week that uh, has a lot of repercussions for what we do covering LGBT and LGBTQ athletes is uh, college sports. And, of course, college sports, college athletics are in a revenue crisis right now as colleges are across the board due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And as a result of that, many schools are cutting non-revenue sports. And, of course, here at OutSports, uh, we profile all LGBTQ athletes, many of whom participate in non-revenue sports. So really, since the start of this uh, pandemic, uh, let's call it late March, early April, there's just been a drumbeat of news uh, of schools uh, dropping programs. And men's gymnastics has actually been one of the hardest hit programs. It was for several decades. Yes, that's right. Decades even leading up to this pandemic. And right now, uh, with the rec- with the most recent cuts, I believe there are... 13 remaining Division I men's gymnastics programs. The University of Minnesota cut its program this past week, uh, joining the University of Iowa, another Big Ten program, which also cut its gymnastics squad during the pandemic. Uh, but of course, Big Ten, Big Ten, a lot of their athletic programs say they're bil- uh, millions of dollars in the red and they're cutting non-revenue sports, but the Big Ten is getting one of its big revenue generators back, football. That's right, football is back. The Big Ten has a reversal on football. They'll start a shortened eight-game season next month. And this story is so interesting. It crosses so many sections of our society. And again, it's really relevant to our mission here at OutSports because, of course, you know, college athletes, I think, finally can look at what happened in the Big Ten. And they can figure out that they have a way now to ensure that decision makers listen to their concerns. They just got to make sure that their motivations align with those in charge. <laughs> I mean, just, hey, Justin Fields, the quarterback for Ohio State, was tweeting about how he wanted to play. Trevor Lawrence, I know he's in the ACC, but he was leading this player movement too. Uh, University of Nebraska football players were planning to sue uh, the conference to play this fall. Parents marching, protesting. So uh, there was so much public pressure from the players and those aligned with the players, parents, coaches, everybody wanted to play. And what would you know? The powers that be listened. And the Big Ten is playing football this fall. Hmm, why is that? Why are they so interested in listening to the players, doing what the players want? Donald Trump, other Republican lawmakers cheering on these players and their desire to strap on the pinstripe, uh, the pinstraps, uh, <laughs> the chin straps, rather. Why? Why are they doing this? Well... There's a lot of money to be made with college football, a lot of money to be made on the backs of unpaid college athletes. The Big Ten TV revenue is absolutely insane. Uh, the Big Ten Conference generated roughly $780 million in revenue last year. Uh, their TV deal with the Fox Sports generates an estimated $250 million per season. Uh, it's an overall media rights deal worth more than $1 billion. So obviously, uh, the Big Ten said this week they won't have fans in the stands, so they're losing a significant portion of that revenue. I mean, they're losing all gate revenue, but they're recouping some of their lost TV revenue. So as some of the money comes back, you know, a school like the University of Minnesota, 
uh, University of Minnesota, which cut its men's track and field program, their gymnastics team, the men's tennis team as well this week. Uh, that's citing revenue shortfalls. They're, you know, $75 million in debt in the athletic department. That's why I have to cut men's track and field in these sports. Uh, could they be bringing them back? Eh, I don't think so. Nope. Dawson Lawrence, who is a uh, All-American gay runner on the Minnesota men's track and field team. Uh, we wrote a story about him this week and his fight to save the program. Uh, he told us uh, in a Twitter comment uh, in response to the story that, uh, no, they asked the athletic director if uh, – this plan to bring back football this fall if that would save their track and field team but no that's not the case so they're taking the money not uh not using it to reinstate these programs which makes you wonder if COVID's really the reason they're cutting these non-revenue sports anyway or if they're just looking for a an excuse um but i mentioned that you know college athletes now need to understand that to get what they want they got to make sure their interests align with the power brokers because it was an interesting contrast this week where one day before the big 10 reversed its decision on football there is a senate hearing on a federal plan to put to pay college athletes and guys like senator richard burr senator Rand paul a lot of republicans who have been championing so hard the big 10 players desire to play football this fall uh they were some of the biggest uh, critics of a plan to pay college athletes. Uh, Rand Paul said this is a no good, terrible idea. Richard Burr said, as a former college athlete himself, he can't support this measure at all. Uh, he said it's quote would be a huge mistake. So yeah, interesting, interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, why they're listening to the athletes in one respect, but not in the others. I wonder what's different. Oh, because to pay college athletes, especially football and basketball player, men's football and basketball players, uh, well, <laughs> the, the power brokers would have less money in their hands, and that is uh, that's not a good thing for them. And, you know, you have all this talk about racial justice during these times. Rick Johnson, uh, an attorney, college sports, college athletes' rights advocate, was on a few weeks ago. He made this point. All these colleges and universities have anti-racism institutes and now uh, anti-racism initiatives, and they're tweeting out all the slogans and, and saying all the right things. They're performing correctly, but you know, if they really wanted to make a difference in terms of social mobility, they would lead them charge to pay their athletes. What a redistribution of wealth that would be to young black men, especially those who play football and basketball, would it not? And that would create so many more black millionaires on a yearly basis just by paying athletes what they deserve. So that's something to think of. And uh, to help us think further about all these things, we bring on one of our returning champions, Akil Patterson. You know him, you love him. He last joined us on the show uh, early this past summer, right at the start of the uh, nationwide protests over police brutality and racial injustice. Uh, Akil's a very smart guy, former uh, football player at the University of Maryland, Greco-Roman wrestler, openly gay. Uh, and city politics in Baltimore. Super bright dude. Love talking to Akil. He joins us on the other side. It's a sports kiki. Thanks as always for listening. So last time we had uh, Akil Patterson on the show, we actually got a write-up in Fox News. So uh, important people are listening, Akil. Welcome back to the sports kiki. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I love I love being on the sports kiki with uh, with you. Yeah, well, it's it's great to always it's great to chat with you. And I mean, last time you were on, I think, was uh, right after the the George Floyd killing, and as uh, the protests were starting to roil and haven't really stopped across the country. But uh, you introduced a very interesting idea about how to train 
officers and retrained police officers with the help of mixed martial arts, uh, you know, uh, competitors, MMA, MMA guys. And uh, Fox News wrote us up. They, they liked your idea, Keel. Maybe the president read it. Who knows? Well, you know what? We, we had a call with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, and he and I were both on the same page. If you don't know, Jim Jordan uh, actually wrestled uh, at the Ohio State University for all those Buckeye fans out there, so I don't insult anyone. Uh, he wrestled at the Ohio State University. And so he and I, uh, we, we come from kind of like that same family. Um, although we don't always agree politically ideology, we do believe that a team is better than an individual. And if we work together to solve our solutions, we can get there. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, it, it got to the point where there was, uh, it was going to be deadlock in both the House and the Senate. Um, but, you know, after talking with the congressman, the International Association Chief of Police, and several other police uh, divisions and departments, you know, we're not done yet with the idea because I think Mike Novogratz, who uh, helps with the reform project, and that's that project run by Meek Mills, um, Van Jones, uh, Robert Kraft, and Jay-Z, they basically, you know, (laughs) Mr. Novogratz put out this tweet, he goes, who trains these officers? (laughs) And that's when I replied to Novogratz and said, hey, listen, Here's the article that we did with Fox News. It comes out of the concept. We've been working with Congressman Jim Jordan. I'm happy to talk to the Reform Project or anybody else, for that matter, that is interested in partnerships so that we can move something together. I always like to say, I don't care about your political party. I just want results. Right. You know, that's what a coach does. Yeah, no, it's uh, and and I look forward to hearing more about that. I think it's a great idea. It's an idea that you know I think, as evidenced by your call with uh, Jim Jordan, could garner wide bipartisan support. So uh, it's good. I liked it, and I always like the Fox News mention too. Uh, we have all we have all <laughs> listeners here. Um, so Akil, so you were of course a uh, college football player at the University of Maryland. Um, Now, obviously, a lot of news surrounding college football this week with the Big Ten reversing its decision uh, to postpone its fall season. The Pac-12 now reportedly uh, thinking of doing the same thing. Um, I wrote this for Forbes, one of my other gigs, and curious to get your thoughts on it. I think college athletes found a way that they can get administrators and power brokers to listen to them. Just uh, make sure their interests coincide, (laughs) you know, that they they wanted to play. And yeah, it, it. Makes a lot of people a lot of money. Not them, but that's why, uh, you know, I think that's a big reason why uh, everyone got on board here. What's your take on what's happened over the last few days? Um, let me say this much. The, the NCAA, the Big Ten, um, they are opening the gates. Uh, they're opening Pandora's box. And in Pandora's box are women's athletics, non-revenue sports, and diversity inclusion issues. Because what we're looking at right now is the NCAA saying that, okay, because we know we're going to make money from football in some way, shape, or form, we want football back. And so they are putting the health and safety in risk of the football players and the scheduling of a university at risk for the sake of football, but they will not do so for sports that are far less more likely to contract, like say rowing. 
You know, there are sports like, you know, women's field hockey. I mean, there are running. so many other things. They're running yeah, across country. I mean, it's like put them outside with a mask on and they're good. Um, track and field. Like, so you're saying all of this can happen, but football can? So we're really looking at Pandora's box being open. And on top of that, the NCAA had already started moving towards paying players, name, image, and likeness issues. And now you're going to see, well, fine. You've, the NCAA basically took a year of athletics or a season of athletics away from certain athletes. The NCAA championships that were canceled for all the non-revenue and Olympic-level sports, that's their payday. That's how those young people get access to coaching jobs, had uh, access to you know internships, access to big corporate sponsors, is by participating in their national championship, getting on the podium, and then leveraging that to get something out of it. When people say athletes are are are, are you know pampered, no, they're not pampered. They just have an opportunity to leverage what they have. It's like if you are really good at computers and computer science, you leverage that to get offers from corporations all over the country. Well, guess what? In athletics, that is your segue because they know your work commitment got you to that podium or your talent or your name or your, you know, your, your, your gumption got you on that podium. So at the end of the day, these athletes are going to be denied that opportunity because the NCAA and their conferences have made a decision that is based off of a sexist and sometimes idealistic idea of finance. But football is a sport that loses money year after year after year. It just breaks even in most colleges. So, Well, you – and this ties into a proposal that you first unveiled way back in the spring in the uh, early days of the pandemic, uh, calling on the NCAA to extend um, – basically to give spring sports student-athletes uh, their last semester back, correct? Yeah. It was winter sports their, their, their season right. back. We didn't right. say the whole semester. We're just saying give them the season. So wherever they, they stop, you should be able to restart. Now, because they were like, well, they had finished, like, I guess, 90% of where they were at. And I said, well, fine. Give those student athletes, the ones who had made their championship season, give them that semester back. And it, drops, it drives down the cost overall for the university. So you're not bringing everybody back. You're only bringing back those teams and those student athletes right. that made it to their championship. Basketball was a different scenario. I mean, these guys have an opportunity to go make millions of dollars. Right. And most of them don't really need college basketball. They just go right. there because they know that it increases their value in a year, two years. Well, and they, and they have to, you know, they can't get drafted at a high school anymore. So. Well, no, no. Remember, they changed that rule back. Or, or you can not, play professionally, right? You can play professionally yeah. rather than go to college. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can play professionally rather than go to college right. because right. it changed the rule again. It used to be so LeBron James and them. So LeBron James was the last one that could come straight out of high school. Right. Now it says you have to be a year removed from high school. Correct, correct. What right. it says is that you don't actually have to go to college. You just got to be a year removed from high school. Right. Right, like Lamelo Ball played professionally this year. I guess he'd be an example of somebody um, yeah. who took advantage of that. Um, and it's interesting, you know, you brought this up a few minutes ago. I mean, so football is back. 
you know, in the Big Ten, they reverse their decision. Other conferences playing because of the revenue potential. And of course, we're really talking TV revenue and we're talking about these Power Five conferences. But I mean, how is this not a Title IX violation? I mean, if you're bringing back a men's sport, but no women's sport, it seems like the Pandora's box is a good way to describe it. Sorry, what was that? I couldn't hear you. Well, I was going to say, Pandora's box is a good way to describe this because, you know, you wonder how this is not a Title IX violation. Schools bringing back a men's sport football, but not offering other sports, including women's sports. Yeah, so I so here's where the NCAA kind of backed out of it, I think, to save themselves. The NCAA is saying that they have left it up to the conferences the conferences themselves to decide on which athletic they will participate in. So that right. leads them to say that, hey, we're not involved. We absolve ourselves of any liability. And they throw their hands up. Like, hey, we're, 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 just, we're just the guys making sure they follow our rules, but we're not going to be concerned about them following the Title IX, which is a federal mandate. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to see a very tricky legal argument from women's athletics. And yeah. when I say women's athletics, I mean like the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, oh goodness, <laughs> I can't even remember the name of it. It's the National, National Lesbian or National League of Women. I can't even remember. But, um, oh goodness. Uh, but they're out anyway. right there. Uh, yeah, they're just, they're not going to, they're going to, they're going to hear a lot of voices. I mean, think about this. Last year, the Iron Man was facing legal issues over the number of women, the number of men's spots they were cutting in the Iron Man to allow women to compete on the same day when the women said, no, we'll just take a second day. We'll take our own day. And then the Iron Man was like, well, no, no, I'm going to interrupt our, our schedule and our television. And the women were like, well, we don't want to be on something. We just want to compete. And even to them, that wasn't good enough. So you're going to see arguments made across the nation to bring equity. It's like, no, no, we don't want to be on television. We just want to compete in the sport. So now it's saying, well, you've let these gentlemen compete for television contracts. Why can't we compete for nothing? We compete for free. We compete for the love of the game, for the love of sports. And now a lot of athletes are going to have to reinvent themselves. Because, I mean, and I know you've gone through this too, probably yourself. There is a depression that sinks in for the athletes. Think of the fans that were depressed when they didn't get to watch their sport. Athletes get depressed too when they don't get to compete. Right. You know, it's, it's a mental game. And so I think we need to really look at the, the whole totality of it. Well, we definitely do. And I like that phrase that you said, you know, playing football for TV revenue, you know, I think it's very interesting that, so you have a lot of Republican lawmakers leading, of course, with the president himself, who were championing the Big Ten uh, to get back and play football this fall. However, you contrast that, Akil, with the Senate hearing this week about the best ways to pay college athletes, and you had many Republican lawmakers, including Senator Burr, Rand Paul, saying this is a terrible, rotten, no good idea. So it's interesting uh, that on one hand, lawmakers support players who want to play football because, oh, now, you know, the TV revenue streams are opened back up for these power five schools. But when it comes to actually 
how do they get a piece of the pie? Uh, you know, it's a terrible, rotten, no good idea. Quite a contrast this week, I thought. Yeah, I. You know what? So like, um, <laughs> I was doing I was doing some research, and uh, uh, so Mitt Romney actually supports the 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 idea of athletes getting paid. Uh, Republican out right. of Utah, uh, former presidential candidate and former uh, governor of the great state of Massachusetts. And then Obamacare. Thank you, Mitt Romney. Uh, he did, yes. But, he, was, he was the godfather. Uh, he was the godfather of Obamacare. Uh, so we can go Obamacare. But if you look at it, um, the, the state of Utah has long been moving towards this, and so has California and Nebraska even. The reason that you see this old guard, and I mean old guard as in like a bunch of very strong, very conservative people who don't understand our history. In the 1940s, Kentucky, uh, and I was talked about this before, but Kentucky gave basically the NCAA their authority because of a legal argument they didn't want to go to federal court with. They said, we'll accept the NCAA's punishment. And now the NCAA becomes the supreme power. Why? It's also one reason why the University of Kentucky is so beloved by the NCAA and it's always their big marketing campaign and everything. But as we go forward, We've got to start recognizing that not only do these athletes and these communities, these organizations that are preventing these athletes from earning their revenue, from being engaged in sport, they will detrimentally harm these athletes from being able to earn future income if they do not do something. And so the Republicans that we hear in Congress that are shouting, you know, no to paying are probably the ones that own a lot more stock than I do in Viacom's TBS. <laughs> Because Viacom CBS has the contract and they really need, they they need the revenue. If you've looked at the market, the market has shot up. I think Viacom was down to like maybe like $14 or $15 a a couple months ago. And now they're up to um, uh, like 30 bucks a share. So now you're seeing like another disparity is like, yo, now we get to really see this is all about money. This is all about revenue. Yeah, I mean, the disparities are gross. I'm sure you saw the study that also came out uh, recently from the National Bureau of Economic Research that found that it's less than 7% of the more than $8 billion annual revenue generated by the NCAA found it finds its way to men's football and basketball players through scholarships and stipends. I mean, you talk about racial justice. Wouldn't compensating black athletes be one of the most effective racial justice initiatives the NCAA and universities could ever undertake i mean we could have it would it seems like that would be transformative it, it would be transformative but it also but it also that other study is is that we'll end up paying what middle class white uh, white children more money is what, that what, what if, in? oh right yes 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 yeah because that's who ends up getting the benefits of these things it becomes more part of the systemic racism that exists in our nation. And when we say systemic racism, it's more like opportunity, right? If I know, if mom and dad now know that not only will I get a free scholarship, but I can get paid for it, they're going to invest more money in me if I had money, which is why you have seen a very large shift from Major League Baseball and hockey like they are almost like major league baseball's diversity has gone down why right. because 
the investment and the opportunity comes if you're white, because then your family will pay money, invest more money, and you will be basically allowed to participate and practice in these events and get better than your counterpart who only, who only practices in them during school time. You know, so it's a socioeconomic issue, but it becomes a racial issue because of where the socioeconomics actually live in this country. So if I'm the poor black kid, or I'm a poor white kid, well, guess what? We're both, we both have low socioeconomic issues, so we both will probably be on the same plateau. But if I'm a poor black kid and I'm a middle-class white child, we are not on the same economic plateau. Even though we might go to the same school, the middle-class white child has a, a exponentially higher percentage rate of getting out of poverty. Even the poor white child will have an exponentially higher rate of being able to get out of poverty, as opposed to only like 18% of the African-American population or Latino population, they'll be able to get out of poverty if they start there. You know what? So it's how sports and economics go together. We've got to have more influencers, more owners, more team leaders that are people of color because that then increases the opportunities for others behind them. And what the, 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 the pushback generally is, is, well, what about my opportunities? It's like, well, just because you lose something or you have to compete with somebody to be on the same level as them, doesn't mean you're going to lose anything. I mean, when most white children's parents die, they get inheritances. When most black kids' parents die, they get built. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've got to look at the economics of this all and how it relates to social um, economic uh, disparities. Uh, in the United States, which are directly uh, correlated with um, racial disparities. So where do you think we go from here with all this? Because, uh, you know, this movement uh, has never seemed to have more support. And you mentioned Senator Romney more, you know, on some levels, bipartisan and broad support. Uh, so where do, where do you think we go from here? And how do you protect what you mentioned? How do you ensure that, you know, any system is equitable? Well, the first thing that we do is we vote. <laughs> the first thing we do is we all vote. Vote in your local elections, vote in your municipal elections, vote in your state elections, and then vote federally, um, which we only really vote for one thing federally. Um, yep. So really vote. Um, the second part of that is be engaged in the process, start to understand the rules, not only of the NCAA, but of your local um, track and field organization, the local rugby leagues, to make sure that they are following diversity and inclusion um, expectations of their national governing bodies and then push them to go forward on that. And then for the athletes that are actually wanting to be engaged in something greater, um, I encourage them to go to um, standagainsthate.org. Um, they can look us look up AIDS Healthcare Foundation's uh, Stand Against Hate campaign and really just trying to get engaged in whatever movements you really want to be part of. And rather you're an athlete trying to make his or her way Sorry, make your way because I don't want to put anybody's uh, gender or sex, you know, on. It's like if you're, you're, you're an athlete trying to make your way, um, start looking at other resources. Uh, look in for the national, um, uh, look into to the NCAA's policies. Look into um, go 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 athletes, uh, go space, go space. Um, reach out to the Equality Coaching Alliance and, and be part of something that's bigger than just you. Because if we're going to make change, we have to do it as a team. And ending um, disparities amongst our communities is a team effort. 
uh, I wanted to, well said, Akil. I wanted to also ask you about uh, the NFL. I know you're a football guy, NFL guy, as am I. Um, do you find this NFL season, most of which has been played so far with no fans and, you know, under wildfires and the West Coast, do you find it dystopian, uh, comforting that, you know, we can still watch football every Sunday? Uh, How would you describe your viewing experience and your thoughts the first uh, the first two weeks here? Uh, so the Ravens won. Lamar Jackson is they awesome. They did, yes. Um, yeah, he is. <laughs> so, so got to get done the playoffs, though. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, well, you know what? You know what? He, 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 he's young still. I mean, he's only like, what, 24? I mean, 23. Yeah. I mean, that's still young. We got some time. I mean, even even Big Ben didn't win this first one until he was like 25. Um, well, know. Roethlisberger won as a rookie in 05, but he wasn't nearly – I mean, Lamar Jackson uh, was an MVP. Roethlisberger was just handing the ball off to the bus, so. Yeah, point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, you're right about that one. So, like, we've got, we've got, got, we've got a great – got a lot of football going on um, across the country, and so it, it is giving people some hope. Um, what I'm going to say now is there are going to be close games that are now going to be won by the opposing team. Because there are no fans. Like, yeah. the, the, it, I, I'm not a gambler myself, but I'm like, you're putting wages on it. Like, I don't know. Because this is all about self, self-motivation. self It's no longer the fans and the crowds cheering. It's like, like, you saw how bad the Big 12 was last week. <laughs> like, that's what I see going to happen in pro sports. It's going to be like, there's no fans. So you're, you're seeing people, like, not rise to the level and the energy of that game seven home, home uh, NBA, like, yeah. you know, game seven. The Clippers, you're like, oh, who's that team now? It's like, well, yeah, because that would have been a game seven at home with fans all around them, you know, and that energy would have been in the room, you know? Yeah, that's no, gone. I mean, and, and you played at a very high level. I mean, can you imagine playing – uh, ACC games in front of no fans. How would you find the motivation? Uh, well, I played under Ralph Friedgen, and so Ralph probably would have said something like, uh, "Like you know, let me tell you what he once told Nick Novak. Nick Novak was our kicker. Nick Novak missed like uh, before yeah, 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 he missed yeah, yeah. the daily sip shot uh, at Georgia Tech. Nick had missed like three or four field goals." I mean, Ralph Friesen just tore into him. And he said, you're on scholarship too. I'll take every goddamn dollar you've ever had. You're not eating. <laughs> and Nick was like, oh, my God, this is going to take my scholarship. And he makes the chip shot. <laughs> you know, and we win the Georgia Tech game. Right. But you're like, okay, that's a, that's a, that's a big that, – that, that was a motivator. Uh, and we were away. We were at Georgia Tech when he makes that shot. So – yeah, there's a motivator. Like, don't miss this, or you're gonna be like walking back home. Uh, and I don't think he would have made him walk back home. He probably would have got him a bus ticket uh, all the way back to College Park, <laughs> Park, Maryland. But yeah, that that's what you got to do. You've got to have that internal motivation. You've got to have that team guided energy to get you there, man. It, it's really what it, it means. Yeah, you can rule or, or or fear, as it sounds like. Uh, you know, sounds like was used there. Um, so Akil, you always have, <laughs> you always have a lot of interesting stuff in the works. What are you, what are you working on these days as we, uh, are less than two months away from the general. Can't believe it. Oh man. Um, 
One of my best friends, Malcolm Kenyatta, uh, who he was the first openly, um, he's the first black openly gay um, state legislator in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm going to be heading up to Pennsylvania um, to just kind of, you know, help him out on his campaign. Um, just talk with them. Uh, I'm also working with the my my athletes, uh, getting them ready for the uh, U.S. Open, which is going to be out in Iowa, um, going over reviews. And then there is this really cool new app, which allows for athletes or parents uh, to basically just set up a camera on their phone without using Wi-Fi, just using your regular data plan, and you can film live live stream your own events uh for your family to watch while they're not actually at the event it is a pretty cool app and i've been working on it with a a guy locally it's five dollars five dollars per event per day so this is really cheap yeah so for like parents that would normally go to their kids wrestling match or their basketball game you know because of social distancing they're going to be like able to like set up this tripod uh, with their phone and just kind of record their own games and these parents will be able to engage and watch it and so i'm trying to get not not me i don't own the app um it's a company out of pennsylvania but it, it, my buddy and i were trying to get it because we want to be able to make sure that um low-income families you know that'll be like hey you know who's got the five bucks this week you know they can watch these things together they can come together um to uh, do it out, outdoor seating or maybe like tailgating in the parking lot and watching games because again, if we can't have the fans directly there, may we gotta we gotta we gotta bring the fans the experience of seeing their children grow up in the best right. way we possibly can. So I'm always excited about finding new ways and creative uh, ventures. And not on top of that, I'm also going after referees um, around uh, equity. Because you know, let's just be very honest. Most referees in sports tend to be white. Just, just look at the, just, just turn on TV. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's about privilege. You know, I was talking to Sid, and Sid and I were saying, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult for certain communities to have referees of color, and then when a team of color comes in, uh, all the referees are white, and then the flag is thrown against the, the, the black kids continuously. Um, that, that is based off of kind of like that. Uh, that 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 repressed non-intentional um racism right it's kind of like inside it's internalized it's like you know they don't know they're doing it they just they think of these kids as thugs they think of an urban school as young people who don't have um and so that flag comes out quite a bit more you know the statistical data has been shown before is that you know when teams come from a historically black college or university they're playing a white school they are they are penalized more and sometimes it's vernacular because of the words that come out of their mouths and the referees think it was insulting or degrading and they just don't understand what the the culture is so we've got to have cultural competency even in officiating very very interesting i haven't thought of that but it's a good point and uh i'm always for ideas don your first idea i'm always for uh initiatives that get more people together in person, away from computer springs, screens. Socialization is a good thing. I'm glad you're supporting more of it. And you're right, parents. We they still kids still got to grow up and still got to see their kids compete and do all that. Uh, Akil Patterson. You can follow him on Twitter at Akil Four More. That's the number four. Akil Four More. Akil, thanks for coming on the show. Always fun to catch up, my man.
I thank you and I appreciate it. And if someone hasn't told you they love you today, remember that I just did. I love it. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki. And as always, thanks to Akil Patterson for taking the time joining us on the show this week. Uh, download, listen, subscribe to the show. Hit me up on Twitter as well, at AlexDreamer1. My uh, username again is at AlexDreamer1. My DMs are open against my better judgment. So feel free to always drop me a line there. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next on the show next week.